You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. Well, we are continuing, actually closing down or stopping. We're done with our series, uh, Resetting Your Marriage as of Today. And if you haven't been with us the last couple of, the last two times, um, we, uh, we've, it's on our podcast. Just go to trinityhudson.org and hit messages and you'll, you'll be able to catch up um, with the messages. But we're talking about um, three resets in our relationship, in our marriage. And if you're not married, then kind of think of a key relationship that you have with maybe boyfriend or girlfriend um, or, or somebody very, very significant in your life. Um, but specifically, we're talking about marriage. And if you remember, the whole series is based on a principle that I made up called the principle of progressive non-synchronicity. And if you haven't been here, basically it, it means that any system in life as it moves forward, tends to become unsynchronized. In the last couple of weeks, we talked about your car. You buy a new car, it's just, just perfect. And after a couple hundred thousand miles, it starts to get unsynchronized. The systems become unsynchronized. The same thing happens in your relationships. The same thing happens in your marriage. The things happen, and, and over time, slowly, uh, things enter into your relationship or, or that threaten your relationship um, that make it unsynchronized. And so we're really resetting our relationships together. So if you remember the very first week, we talked about resetting our attitude. So if you're a Christ follower, and if you're not a Christ follower, if you're not a Jesus follower, this actually doesn't apply to you. But if you're a Christ follower, we are called to be as a servant to our spouse, just as Jesus gave his life, served the world by giving his life, we then serve our spouse in that way, an attitude of service. Um, then the second week we talked about, last week we talked about resetting my actions, and we went through eight things that we could be doing in terms of, of acting, how we act toward our spouse um, that can help build our relationship, that can help reset our relationship. So today, Kelly and I, my beautiful wife here, um, we are going to be talking about the third reset that many of us need to have in our relationships, specifically marriage, called resetting our resolve. And I didn't like the word commitment because us guys go, commitment, oh, I'm out of here. Yeah, but resolve is more of a, this is, this is even, I think, a stronger word than commitment is we are resolving to uh, make our marriage work, to stick with it. And if you think about your marriage or your relationships, many of the frustrations, the daily frustrations that happen in relationships are slow, and that's what over time causes your relationship to get out of sync. What happens in those times when a tragedy hits? What happens in those times when all of a sudden you, on a Friday afternoon at three, you're called into your boss's office, and you're relying paycheck to paycheck, and he fires you or she fires you? What happens when there's a sickness or, a, or, or something that happens that all of a sudden it's there and you as a couple have to deal with that? Well, we're going to talk about um, uh, something in our story as a married couple and obviously individually um, that, uh, that uh, relates to this idea of my resolve. Take it away. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we can get, we like each other so we can be closer. There you go. Something in our family that we've always said from the time our kids were little 
was that no matter what happens to us, we will, as long as we're together as a family, no matter what, no matter what hits us, as long as we're together as a family, we'll be strong. And that was kind of our mantra. Uh, some of you know that we have three children, and they've moved around the country with us a lot. And uh, there was a time when Todd left Minnesota to, we started a church in Arizona called Summit. And um, we then were there, developed that church, and then left again to start another church in Houston, Texas. And when we left, we had a house in Arizona and a house in Texas. And two houses for two years with two mortgages. And it sunk us. It sunk us financially. We thought, oh my, did the Lord really call us to come to Texas to start a new church? We went through those things of should we have left? What did we do? We should go back to Arizona. No, God's called us here. And it sunk us financially. We lost everything. We lost both houses. But we kept saying to our kids, no matter what, it's okay. We are together as a family. Um, we lost really everything. All of our savings. College funds. Everything. My Cancun fund. <laughs> but uh, even our oldest said, it's okay. You always say, if we're together, that's all right. We can, we can combat anything. It's just a financial thing. At least we have our health and we have our family. And so um, our family is comprised of our, our three children and Todd and I. Our youngest is um, Madeline. She is a, a senior graduating a semester early. I like to say that because uh, in college, because we have three, count them, three tuition payments left. Can't wait to be done. Then, then we're like, okay, you're gone. <laughs> uh, she is a volleyball player at North Central University in downtown Minneapolis. And she brings us a lot of great joy and a lot of great excitement because when she calls, everything is always new and different and there's highs and there's lows and it's always fun. Our middle is Nathan, and he is our rock star, literally. He's a musician. He, he's a guy, just, 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 yeah. just to got long clarify, hair. a lot of long hair, but yeah. Long, curly hair. He just shakes his head, and that's it, uh, those curly locks. And he is in a band called Hippocampus and travels the world and has had a lot of great success. And uh, it, he also brings us a lot of great joy just with his stories um, across the world. Uh, our oldest is our daughter Mackenzie, uh, bubbly ballerina when we lived in Texas. She was actually on the rise to becoming a professional ballerina uh, in a ballet company, uh, danced and uh, just brought such great joy. She was the uh, older sister that whenever Nathan and Maddie just didn't want to talk to people at church, they would hide behind her and Mackenzie would talk to everybody. Uh, just a, a bubbly, wonderful human being. And when we lived in Texas, of course, she was dancing. And uh, June 3rd, 2009, uh, she came home. Todd and I were at home. Our whole family was at home. And across the street was one of Mackenzie's good friends, Caitlin, who was also a photographer and who was also a dancer in the ballet company. And she was taking up photography for taking pictures at the ballet company. And she came over and said, can we go take pictures now? It's a perfect evening to go capture Mackenzie uh, doing all the things that she loved to do, dance, spin, twirl, and arch her back in that 
I think it's on the next picture. No, I think that's that one. That, uh, yeah, that's one of them. And then um, oh, it hurts. took all these uh, incredible pictures. And so we said, okay, you know, just go and then come back. And they left our house, um, Caitlin, Mackenzie, and then another dancer, Aaron. And they took these incredible pictures. That's the one. That's like, if I could arch my back like that now. Oh, uh, yoga. They were about six miles away from our house. And at my in-laws' dock, that, those pictures were all taken on the dock. And just incredible. And Mackenzie called home and said, the pictures are amazing. I love you. I'm on my way home. Again, she was just a few miles from our house. And... Uh, not uh, a few minutes after that, uh, this was the last picture that was taken three seconds before the car that she was driving in went through a red light and an F-250 hit her side of the car and she was killed instantly. Um, we, we didn't have a phone call. We didn't know. We were expecting her to come home. And Caitlin's mom um, called us, or we called her, and, and she said, there's been an accident. I'm going to the hospital. Caitlin's been airlifted along with Aaron. But nothing about Mackenzie. We, we didn't know. So Todd and I hopped in the car. Kids were, Nathan and Maddie were still at home, and we went searching for our daughter. Hmm. Went to one hospital, and of course, they, they didn't say anything. The police were actually looking for us to tell us. We ended up downtown Houston, and on the way, I remember texting people back in Arizona, texting our friends here in Minnesota and Wisconsin, and, uh, friends in Texas, and just saying, we don't know where Mackenzie is. She's been in an accident. Please pray. And we ended up downtown Houston at uh, the hospital and walked in and saw the other families and they said to us, the nursing staff said, come back. Not wait, but come back. And I knew at that moment that she wasn't there. And they told us that she had been killed. And Texas state law is if a body is identifiable and known at the time of death, then that body goes to the morgue and you don't get to go only if it's not identifiable. So we didn't see Mackenzie's body for two days. And as a mom, all I wanted to do was hold my baby girl. Just needed to see her body. I mean, we're made as visual people, and I needed to see her and hold her. But we couldn't for two days until they bought, brought her body to the funeral home. And even then, when we saw her, I just wanted to crawl in that casket with her and just hold her. So there were people at our house then for those two days and in and out, just a flood of people because our kids were very involved in the school that we were at where Todd was the campus pastor. Uh, they were very involved, of course, with the ballet company um, in sports. And so we had constant flow of people and family in our house. And there wasn't a lot of space for me to escape to. And I remember looking at Todd and thinking, I've got to get out of here. And the only room in the house was the master bathroom. <laughs> so um, 
I escaped to the master bathroom, and I remember sliding down the wall of the floor and just collapsing in a puddle of tears and just sobbing and sobbing. And I remember that that's really the only time that I was angry at God. I don't think Todd ever went through that severe anger or questioning, but he walked in into the bathroom and, and uh, sees me sitting on the floor and just sits beside me and we're just weeping together. And I said, where was God? Where was he? I mean, we're, we're a pastor's family. I, I, I thought in the back of my mind that maybe we were immune to that, to a tragedy. We suffered through a lot of people's other tragedies. So I said, where was God? And at that moment, Todd probably said the best thing that he could have said. He said, God was right there in the car with Mackenzie. He was right there with her. So what do you do when a tragedy hits you, when a tragedy hits your marriage, when you experience a hardship? And yours might be completely different than ours, maybe not on this magnitude. But what do you do? Who do you turn to? You know, when we... Um being a faith-filled family, and I don't know if you are or not, but being a faith-filled family, we immediately um, relied on beautiful Christian friendships, our small group. Um, many of them flew down from Minnesota to Houston to be there with us for a week and a half. And, and uh, down, yeah, and there was, yeah, all over. <laughs> and um, it's just a beautiful thing. But, you know, we went to Scripture, and we knew all the verses, right? We know... You know, the, the Proverbs 3, we know, trust in the Lord, surely I'm with you always. We know all these verses, God is our refuge and strength, all of these powerful verses. And, and I, I'm, it's strange to say it wasn't until this moment that these beautiful Bible verses that I've taught on, that I've studied, I know the Greek, I know the Hebrew, I know the languages, I, I preach on all of these. It wasn't until this moment that God said to me, do you really believe what you're preaching? Do you really, really believe the truth that I am there for you in the midst of tragedy? Do you who are you going to turn to now? Are you going to go the way of um, many, many couples who lost, lost a child? 90% of couples that lose a child at whatever age have significant, significant difficulties in their marriage after that. 16% of those 90% break up um, in, their, in terms of a marriage. So... Um, and the reason for that is when you go through that kind of grief, you circle your wagons emotionally. So if Kelly's circling her wagons, I'm circling my wagons, we're not communicating. We're, we're pulling away. And so God led us through this process over a long, long period of time, believe me, long, long period of time. Um, and so to share just a couple of those things as we're doing this, the, the, the resetting your marriage, you know, in terms of your resolve, um, just three things that we sort of brainstormed. There's a lot more, um, but these are kind of some of the key ones that came out to us. The first thing that we did um, was that we chose to survive as a couple. We chose to survive as a couple. We, that night, we said, we are not going to be part of that group that breaks up. We know that we're, we'll be part of that 90% because it's just natural. 
but we're not going to break up. Our marriage, this, this, is, this is the key relationship I have, the key relationship that Kelly has. We are not going to break up over this tragedy. Um, and we did some significant and, and intentional things around that um, because it's our commitment to each other. That's the resolve that, that, uh, that God gave us in that moment. And we each grieved differently. We, we say that for a couple of years, we were in a fog. We stayed in Houston two months, and then we packed everything up and left. Totally against what everybody <clears> says. You know, don't do anything for years, what yeah. they say. But and we're we like, Meh, we're out of here. Started no. life over again, which for us was the best decision because our kids started. Um, Maddie started over again and started in a different school. Maddie was 12 years old when this happened, and Nathan was 14. And to come home to them and tell them that their older sister was gone was... It was heart-wrenching, but then for two years, we were kind of in a fog, and I knew that because of our commitment that Todd wasn't going to leave me as much as he drove me nuts, and I wasn't going to leave him. Now, we each grieved very differently. Um, Todd um, is a pack rat. I am not, so... Um, even now, nine years later, we just gave away 250 pairs of point shoes that Mackenzie danced with to a ministry in Cuba. But it took us that long to be able to let go of those, those things. So in terms of grieving differently, we had to allow each other to, to do that. But it was our, we, we knew that we weren't going to leave each other. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's where the resolve piece come in. The, the second thing that we did was, um, we didn't force the recovery. And so I have two different messages in this one. First of all, if you are going through a tragedy, um, a real hard thing, don't let anybody tell you that to move on or to, don't, don't let the recovery of a tragedy, don't let that, don't let yourself force your way through that. Now, if it's, like a long, long time and you can't function like years and years and years and decades and you're just not functioning, obviously, there, you, you, I would suggest get some counseling and kind of walk that through. But um, after three months or so, everybody goes back to their normal lives and we're left, Kelly and I were left going, uh, we were blessed. We had a, a great group that walked us through a lot of things. But many couples are like, where's, you know, I'm still grieving. It's still fresh. The wound is still open. So if you know somebody, this is the other side, if you know somebody who's had a tragedy, put a date on your calendar three months after that tragedy and start walking with them again. Their journey is, diff a little, is different, but it's still grief. Um, best thing you can do. The other thing that you can do if you know somebody who, or if you've gone through a tragedy, especially the death of, of someone like, like a child, ask what they are like. Tell me more about Mackenzie. We, you as parents, when your kids are, as your kids are alive, you love to talk about your kids, right? We do the same thing. There's not, it's not, it doesn't reopen a wound. And if it does, that's a healing thing. Um, I remember, and you said we, we grieved differently, which we did. Um, Kenzie loved bananas and fruits. She was very healthy. And I remember being in the grocery store uh, down in Houston in the produce section, and I see bananas. And I remember bringing bananas to her during her dance thing. And I literally, I, I, I fell in front of, I just started weeping. And the produce guy kind of is like sweeping around me as I'm just, you know. Um, but I, I, you, you allow yourself to grieve. It doesn't matter if it's a job loss, a child. The grieving is a, grieving is a good and healthy 
thing to do and talk about that grief. Talk about it. It's not weird. Um, anything else on that? Uh, kind of to do with it is people would say the darndest things to us. And <laughs> like Todd said, the best thing that somebody said to me was not, oh, I'm so sorry, or, oh, I guess God needed another angel in heaven. We got we're, a lot of that. We're not that angels was, when we go to heaven. No. The angels was, serve us. It was just, I mean, it was, it was people meant well, but we say the darndest things, don't we? And I think it was the person who just, well, it was my best friend, Tina, who just walked beside me daily, didn't say a lot, but just listened to me or just cried with me or wept with me. Um, and then together, um, when people would say to us, tell me about, tell me about your daughter. And that's the best thing you can say to somebody um, who's gone through a, tra a death um, of someone, because we do, we love to talk about our kids. Yep. So choose to survive. Um, don't force the recovery. And then the last one, uh, it sounds so cliche. In fact, when I typed it, I'm like, really? But it's true. You lean on God. Remember in the, in the Gospels, Peter, you know, Jesus is looking at his disciples and everybody had left him and Jesus goes to his best friends and says, hey, are you guys going to leave me too? And Peter turns around and he goes, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go, Jesus? You have the words to eternal life. God is the only one who is going to walk through 150,000% with you during tragedy. And again, it might not be the death of a child. It could be all those other things we mentioned. But God will never leave you or forsake you in difficult times. It may feel that way. And in fact, Psalm 77, the first half is, is the Psalm, David's crying out, God, where are you? Where are you? Have you left the building is what the message version says. Where are you in my tragedy? And then the second half of that psalm, basically David says, I'm just going to lean on you, God. I'm, I remember that you've been faithful in the, in the past. Why shouldn't I believe that you're going to be faithful to me in the future? Right now it stinks and it hurts, but you're going to be faithful to me because I know that you are a God who loves me and doesn't banish me because hard things happen in life. Um, anything else? I'm looking at how you can read this. I can't. so tiny. Yeah. Um, so, just in, huh? What? Do you want to run it by me first? No. Okay. <laughs> Idea was That's your idea. Uh, we talk a lot as a church family, and if you're here as a guest, we talk a lot about doing life together in circles and not in rows. And sometimes I think, oh, I'd love to have sofas in here instead of chairs all facing forward. That's the way we could, you know, I'm sure that's the way Jesus did it on sofas. <laughs> Probably not sofas. But, <laughs> Sitting yeah. around. Pillows. But doing life in circles and not in rows. And a lot of people will say to us, I can't imagine going through what you went through. And we hear other stories and we say the same thing to people. I can't imagine going through what you went through. We could get through it because of community and because of the doing life in circles with other people. And we had a strong, small group around us that walked us through that time. I don't know what people do if you don't have that. And if you don't, you need to get connected. Get yeah. um, and the other was 
again, saying our commitment. We had a bond and, a, you know, I think of that couple that we loved seeing the past three weeks say their vows. I kind of want them back next week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, when we, when we got married, we didn't think we'd go through any of this. We've almost been married 30 years. And we never anticipated that. You stand before each other and we're kind of glossy-eyed and we have the rose-colored glasses on and think it's all going to just be wonderful. Uh, but there is going to be, there are going to be things that happen in your life and in your marriage. There will be hardships. It's not that it won't be. It just might be on a different magnitude. And so knowing that our bond and our commitment kept us together, but also the community that we were in that fed us and listened to us and loved on us and God still does. Yeah, still does. It's yeah. been nine years. And on the other side of it now, we have a lot of joy. We remember the moment that we allowed joy back in our lives mm -hmm. and back in our marriage and back in our family. And we have a lot of joy that we celebrate with our kids. And, and honestly, it puts things in perspective. Uh, we don't take anything for granted. And each moment, we try and celebrate. And I, I don't just say that as a cliche. We really do. We celebrate each moment. We love going through what our kids are going through, each of their things, um, and, and the joys that we have and the, and the hardships and, the, and other things. But we celebrate that, and we don't take life for granted. Some people will say, oh, I really had a bad day. Oh, why did you have a bad day? Our refrigerator broke. And I think, that's a first-world problem. That's not a big deal. But, you know, it is. But it gives you perspective of being able to step back and say what's really hard to go through. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Um, we're not guaranteed this afternoon. Uh, um, after the accident, uh, we basically had, we found, we, we wanted to find out everything about the accident. Um, and uh, we, we called the uh, impound lot because we wanted to see the car. And they said, well, you have about three days because those cars don't stay on the lot very long. They demolish them. So we went to the car. Um, and this is a picture of the car uh, as we saw it three days after the accident. So that's the passenger side Mackenzie sat in as the, she took the full force of that truck. And they had collected as many of the... Mackenzie's personal items. She had a bag, and it was actually sitting on the front seat here, and in the bag was the phone, her phone. So I grabbed her phone. This is the phone. Opened it up, and what immediately popped up was a text message to her friend Wes, and the text message read this. T-O-M-O, -O, which is the word tomorrow. She was texting the word tomorrow T-O-M-O, and the accident happened. She was thinking about tomorrow. We don't, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you have pushed God away for far too long, I beg you to reconsider what he has done for you in Jesus Christ. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. But the beauty is, is, whether, you know, whether this is your last day on earth or you have 18 million more, whatever it is, God still says, live with me in the moment, be with me in the moment, and make my son Jesus the foundation of your life and also of 
your marriage. You want to say anything else? Uh, we know that our daughter is in our future. She was a follower of Christ and in many ways stronger in her faith than, than mom and dad were. Uh, when they, when we went and saw the uh, car, I just thought of this now, the police officers were there, two of them who were actually on the scene. And they told us that when they got to Mackenzie, um, remember she was a ballerina, so before she left the house, she put on fake eyelashes and she had on her little tutu skirt. Um, and when they finally got to Mackenzie in the car, um, she was she was killed instantly, and she was still strapped in. So because she was killed instantly, there wasn't a lot of blood. Um, and they said that when they got to her, they all stepped back, and no one wanted to touch her because she her eyes were open. She had green eyes. Her eyes were open, and she was looking up. That was the best thing they could have said to us as a couple. And along with getting her phone and knowing that in that moment, um, when she was killed, she was probably looking down, and the next moment, she was in the presence of Jesus Christ. God, God has great things in store for all of us. And even in the midst of tragedy, he calls us to resolve to, as a married couple, stay together and lean on him in all things and his love will hold everything together that's colossians jesus holds everything together amen amen let's stand to pray before we sing our last song heavenly father thank you for this day thank you for all that you've given to each one of us thank you for each person in this room you created each one of us and you have a purpose for each one of us. That purpose is to know you. And so right now, Lord, in, in the quiet of our hearts, we just recommit our lives to you. Or if we don't know you, we submit to you. And Lord, we, we want to um, love you with our whole heart. And so we ask that you remove any obstacles that get in our way with our relationship with you. Lord, we thank you again for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for each one of us. We love you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.